Welcome to Life Source Church. Subscribe to our podcast on iTunes or SoundCloud. Today you're going to hear a message from Pastor Walt that we hope encourages you. Well, have you ever gone to the dentist and didn't get the checkup you were hoping for? Anybody? And then all of a sudden it becomes really important to you to brush your teeth and to floss, right? And you go home and you really get started on that and you're working on that and how long it lasts, you never know. But how about a doctor's appointment? You ever gone to the doctor and and maybe the blood work and the thing he's saying, whoa, you know, this is serious. And so you go home and you start eating right and you start exercising and all this kind of stuff, right? Well, in reality, did we already know that we should be taking care of our teeth? That's not a trick question. Did we already know that? So we could have done it before we got the bad checkup, right? Uh, and the same with the doctor's office, that we know we should eat right and exercise and yeah, right? And so we could do that before. And, and what would make us do it before? Probably if we really had it at the front of our minds and consciousness that this is really important. This really matters. We don't know it, but we don't keep it at the front of our minds and let that govern us. So we're in this series on uh, All In with Jesus in the book of Philippians. And let's just do a quick review. Uh, we, weren't, we were on something else last week, and it's been a few weeks since I've preached from Philippians. So in the beginning here in chapter, in the beginning, Genesis 1, we'll work our way up to Philippians. No. Uh, in, in the beginning of Philippians here, the Apostle Paul is, is writing to the Christians that are part of that church in Philippi. Uh, he's writing to their leaders as well. And he says to them, I am so glad, I am so excited to know that you started your journey with Christ. You made that personal decision to receive Christ as Savior. And he says, I'm, I'm so uh, glad about this because I am confident that what God started He's going to finish. And so, that, I don't know about you, that's good news for me because there's been plenty of times I've kind of wandered off the path. I've wandered, you know, not been paying attention to things I ought to pay attention to, but God didn't quit working. He kept working and kept, you know, drawing me back and kept directing and showing and teaching and also patiently and also lovingly. But he says, I'm so glad, I'm confident. God started this work in your life that moment that you received Christ as Savior and really before as he got you to that place and then He is going to continue it all the way to the end till you either make it to heaven because your life comes to an end or because he comes back and takes us all away. He is going to uh, keep us uh, secure in in our eternal life. And then he goes on, talks about the situation that he is in, that Paul is in, that he is now in jail because he's been preaching the gospel. Uh, The gospel that he preached to the Philippians, the same gospel he preached everywhere, has now landed him in jail. Uh, And probably because it tended to stir up trouble, religious trouble, when he went and preached the gospel. And also because uh, Christians say that we have, our our king is Jesus, it's not Caesar. So all these things land Paul in jail. And you think he might be pretty discouraged because man, this is what his life is about. He's, He's out there preaching and going to places where they'd never heard the gospel. Now all of a sudden he's in jail, can't do that. Uh, And yet Paul says, this is turning out okay. Because he says, all the, the, the palace guard, all of the soldiers who work here in Caesar's palace who are uh, taking care of me, he says, they've all heard the gospel. 
And some of them have come to Christ. And then he says, yeah, outside there, looks, there are some people out there who are taking advantage of the fact that I'm in jail. They're, they're, they're not telling the truth about me. They're using this to build themselves up. He says, but you know what? In the process, they're preaching the gospel, and that's a good thing. You know, even though it seems bad for me. And then he goes on and he says, I don't even know if I'm going to live. I don't know if I'm going to make it out of jail here. And he said, that's all right. He says, it doesn't change my goal, my overall goal at all. He says, I want Christ to be magnified in me. I want people to be able to learn about Jesus as they look at my life and as they interact with me. And I can do that, and I will do that until I can't do that anymore, and that's when my life comes to an end. I die. And so he says, okay, so if I live, I get to do all these things that God has given me to do. And he said, and if I die, as I was talking with someone here earlier this morning, he says, he describes dying as what? Do you remember? Two words. Far better. To die and go to be with Christ is far better. How much better? Far, far better. Going to heaven. And so this is, you know, he says, so whether I live or die, man, this is good. God's doing something in my life and through me. And then he challenges them at the end of chapter one. He says, you guys need to make sure that your life lines up with what it means to be a Christian too. And he says, and that, that may bring you to suffering like I'm suffering, but that's okay. He's already told them why. And then at the beginning of chapter two, part of what he's telling them to do is as Christians, you need to get along. You need to think the same way about things. You need to come together and serve me. And then he uses Jesus as an example. He says, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. And what did Christ do? He is the eternal Son of God. He's with God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit in heaven from all eternity past. He leaves heaven, comes to earth, becomes a man. He's born as a man, the man Jesus. He's God and he's man. He comes into our sin-cursed world, all the difficulties and hardships that are in our world. And then he goes to the cross, and as he goes to the cross, he takes the guilt for our sins. All of my sins, which are many. All of your sins. Sins of the whole world, and he dies there. He's innocent, he's never done a sinful thing in his life, never wanted to do a sinful thing in his life. But he takes the guilt and the penalty, and he dies there. And it's just such a horrific story. Remember when he cries out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And then it's finished, but when it was finished, Jesus had paid the debt, the sin debt, for every sin that had ever been committed or ever will be committed. Man, that's good news. And so that forgiveness is available to us when we acknowledge that, that we have sinned and we need a savior. And so we come to Christ and say, I believe you died for my sins and rose again. And right now I receive you as my savior. I put my faith in you. I don't put my faith in my ability to change things. I put my faith in you. And at that moment, he forgives every sin. We receive eternal life and he moves in. And that moving in is going to be part of what we'll see about what's going on here today. So let's pick up in chapter 2. We're on page 1349 in the, the Bible that's under the chairs there. He says this. He says, therefore, therefore, in light of all these things that we just talked about, therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence. Okay, so, so I'm not there. You did real good when I was there. Now I'm not there, and it's really important that you keep doing good. And he says this. He says, work out your own salvation. What? Huh, well, we're going to talk about that in a minute. 
Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you, both to will and to do for his good pleasure. Do all things without complaining and disputing, that you may become blameless and harmless. Children of God without fault in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation, among whom you shine as lights in the world. Holding fast the word of life so that I may rejoice in the day of Christ that I have not run in vain or labored in vain. Yes, and if I am being poured out as a drink offering on the sacrifice and service of your faith, I am glad and rejoice with you all. For the same reason, you also be glad and rejoice with me. Father, I pray that as we look to your word here and seek to understand it and how it applies to our lives, that your Holy Spirit would would move in our hearts and minds. And I pray, Lord, even right now, we would go ahead and just resolve the issue that we're we're settling the issue that we're gonna go with whatever you say. We're gonna say yes to you here today. We're gonna be fully surrendered and yielded to what you say to us from your word right now. And I pray it in Jesus' name, amen. All right, so let's go back here to verse number 12 in chapter two there. Therefore, my beloved, as you've always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, work out your own salvation. Work out your own salvation. That kind of sounds counterintuitive to what we would think that, well, that isn't necessarily true. Maybe you do think this, but let me say to you, one thing he says here, he does not say, he doesn't say uh, work for your salvation. Work for your salvation. You can't, I mean, you can try that, but it's never going to work. Because how, how good do you have to be to make it to heaven on your own? Perfect. That's right. That's what he says he, in, in the Sermon on the Mount. He says, be perfect like your Father in heaven. Well, I blew that one a long time ago. Okay? I'm not perfect. You know, so we can't make up for this stuff. Uh, we can do good. That's great. But it's never going to earn us salvation. Okay? So it doesn't mean that. But our other thought that it might be, hey, work out your own salvation. You figure it out for yourself, right? Come up with your own plan. And, and that, say, well, that sounds silly, but it isn't silly because if we walk down the street here today and found a group of people and start talking to them and say, how do, how do you make it to heaven? How many plans do you think we'll find? Multiple ways people think that, well, if I can do this, and so come with your own plan. Now, let me just have a little fun with this, okay? So let's say I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to work out my own salvation. I'm going to you know, figure this out for myself. And so what I think I'm going to do is I'm going to order a large pizza every night uh, and have it delivered to my house. And this is going to be good. I'm doing good because I'm doing good for the pizza people and the people who make the ingredients, and I'm going to tip the driver well. You know what I mean? I'm going to do some good stuff there, all right? And, but I'm going to save half the crust. I'm not going to eat half of the, you know, the crust around the outside because I'm going to keep that and break it in a little piece. I'm going to feed the birds and the squirrels. And I'm, 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 you know, helping out with nature here, okay? So I'm doing some good things here. And then when I'm done with that, I'm really going to go the extra mile. I'm going to recycle the box, okay? I'm going to recycle that thing so I can, you know, do my part for keeping, you know, the earth the way it's supposed to be. And so I think, okay, work out your own salvation, right? Anybody here vote that this is the way to do it? I like the pizza idea. I don't think it'll get me to heaven. It'll just get me heavy. All right? All right. 
No, so there's not, that is not at all what God is saying. What is he saying? Well, let's go back and review something that we talked about the first week, and that is what happens when we get saved. Remember, Paul talks about, I'm, I'm confident that God started this work. And started this work, we're talking about receiving Christ as Savior, okay? And so uh, this is going to be a timeline of our lives here across the stage, and way over there is where we were born, but this is the point at which we come to Christ, Okay, we've come to Christ. We've received him as Savior. You know, we made that conscious decision, once and for all decision. We receive Christ as Savior. Okay, we are now saved. That means we will never experience the penalty for our sins. Okay, Jesus paid that penalty. We will never pay it. We are forgiven forever. Remember, and I said he moves in. So God himself has moved into the deepest part of us, which is our spirit. And he's changed us inside. He made us a lot like him. And, and it's all happened deep inside. And we, we can tell. We know it's different. But then we got to live life, don't we? Now we're back in life. Just like people come back from camp, kids come back from camp and face real life. Well, we receive Christ as Savior. And then we face life, Okay. And so we have uh, this aspect of which we're being saved. We're already saved with respect to our sins and going to heaven, but our lives need to be changed and to become what they're supposed to be. And then eventually we will be saved. The Lord will take us to heaven with him, right? And it'll all be settled for sure at that point. By the way, if you, the promise from chapter one, if you start here and you get saved, what's your guarantee? It's not a trick question. Guarantee is what? You're making it over here to the end. You are. God's not letting go of you. You may mess up. He may have to work hard in your life, but he's not letting go of you. Okay? So when we talk about this being saved, we're not talking about, oh, I hope I make it. It isn't like that. We're making it because God said so, because of what he did. Well, here's the deal. When Paul is saying work out your own salvation, he's talking about this direction. What we need to do is move this inner work that he's done here. We need to move it out into our lives. Okay? So you move that inner work out into your lives. So now you uh, are... Uh, he's changed your heart, desires your heart, and you want to do what's right. And so out here, you need to, okay, now when I'm making decisions, I need to think about that. I need to do what's right. I need to. And so this is what he's talking about. The fact that you receive Christ as Savior needs to change the way you live your life. It needs to change the way you think. Okay? And uh, so that's what he means when he says, work out your own salvation. Now, he says more about this in this verse. Work out your own salvation with, read the next two words with me if you would, with fear and trembling. Let's try that again, ready? With fear and trembling, that's right. Fear and trembling, what, what is that about? Well, fear and trembling, just the basic definition is how we find it used in the Bible, means awe and reverence that affects how we respond, okay? Awe and reverence that affects how we respond. But there's more to learn here from this. And if we just take the words themselves, fear and trembling. Have you ever been afraid to the point where you were shaking? And sometimes the shaking seems to happen afterwards, right? But whatever. But when, if you are scared to the point where you're shaking, what are you paying attention to? Are you thinking, oh man, I got a lot of stuff to do on my to-do list later today. Oh, my, my wife didn't really treat me very nice this morning. 
No, if you are scared about something to the point where you're shaking, what are you paying attention to? What's in front of you? What it is that's making you afraid? I mean, I've told the story before, but there's a bunch of you who are newer here. Uh, when I was dating Glenda, uh, I talked to her on the phone a long time, you know, and I remember one night I was talking to her on the phone and um, I looked up on the ceiling. And I was sitting in my, my bedroom and there's an a ugly black spider above my bed. I don't like spiders, okay? I mean, they, want to, they stay outside and leave me alone, that's fine. But over my bed, this is not fine. So I, I found a magazine. I'm talking to her on the phone. I thought, what am I going to do? And I roll this magazine up, and, and I stand up on my bed, which is not real solid, right? And I go to hit that thing. I go, wham, on the ceiling. And instantly, I realized I missed. I missed. And, of course, the wind from it knocks the spider off, and the spider is getting bigger because it's falling down on me. Now... I had like zero conscious thought at that point in time. Just like, I'm, ah, you know, I mean, I'm flailing, jumping off the bed, and Glenda's thinking, what's happening? What's happening? And, and I, it took over. That's what I'm trying to say. I was paying attention to nothing else but trying to make sure that spider wasn't on me. You know, the really rough thing that night, I had a hard time going to bed because I never found the spider. But I managed. But what I'm trying to say is that, that idea of fear and trembling, I mean, it, it takes over and controls you. Now, um, so that, that's in a negative sense, this idea of fear and trembling. But when we think about it in a positive sense, yeah, so let me read what it says here. In a negative context, it's about being so afraid that you have to pay attention. Okay, but in a positive context, which is the way Paul is using it here, he isn't talking about being scared like that. In a positive context, it's about elevating the importance of something. It's about emphasis and attention. So you need to work out your own salvation. You need to work this out into your own life. And you, this is important. You need to be paying attention to this. This needs to be an emphasis in your life. Okay? So what is it that, that is so important about this? We've been saved. We're saved forever. We're going to heaven. We know about that. Our sins are forgiven. Hey, we're cool. And so what's so important about working it out into our lives? Well, let's look here in verse 13. He says, for it is God who works in you, both to will and do for his good pleasure. It's God who is the one working in you. So, the reason it's so important is because God himself is present and he's working in you. This is not just anybody, is it? This is God. And, and we can think of God sometimes and not really think about what it means, but have you seen any of the images that are coming from the new James Webb telescope? Some of you? Well, it was a Hubble telescope, and it showed a lot of things, but now they get this James Webb telescope, and they look at places in the sky which they previously believed were dark. And now they have found, no, this tiny the place they look in the dark, that there are thousands, millions of galaxies and stars, even those places that are so far beyond where they could ever see before. What kind of God can make that? A small God? No, and then if you want to study the complexity of how all of that stuff works on a micro level, it just becomes amazing. This is the God who is, a, is inside of you and is working in you. 
he ought to be paid attention to. Fear and trembling. Well, this is God. And so he is the one who's present and you're joining him in his work. That's what you're being asked to do. It'd be like this. If you had the president of a company or the owner of the company, you know, come to you or, or someone sends a notion because the president wants you or the owner wants you. And he calls you and says, you're going to work with me. I want you to work with me on these things. That's kind of a big deal, isn't it? And that's what's going on here, except many times over, because it's God, it's not just the owner of a business. Uh, you're joining him in his work. And then the goal then is to accomplish whose will? It's, it's the, the president comes and says, here's what we're gonna work on, right? Here's what I want us to accomplish. And that's what God is saying. I want you to join me. You've been saved. Join me in this work. We're going to work this outward into your life. And here's the things that are important. And here's the, the, you know, what my goal is for you and what we want to accomplish. And then this means that your whole life should be devoted to this. With fear and trembling, right? To where you, you have to pay attention. You can't do anything else. I have to pay attention. Your whole life should be devoted to this. Um, true Christianity, listen, true Christianity can never be an add-on. You can't say, oh yeah, okay, so I, I have my family and I have my work and I have my hobbies and I have my house and I have my car and, and I have my religion. That's not the way this works from God's perspective. And guess whose perspective matters most, right? From God's perspective, it's no. You have a relationship with him through Jesus Christ. And that is over your family. And that is over your work. And that is over your hobbies and over your house and over your car. It's over that. And we make a terrible mistake when we take any of these things and make it the most important thing to us. Now, is your family important? Is it? I'm, you think, oh no, he's tricking me here. <laughs> is your family important? Yes, it's important to God. But the best thing you can ever do for your family is to make sure that God is overall and comes first and that you're working with him to learn how to be the right kind of family member, to learn how to be the kind of husband you're supposed to be, the kind of wife you're supposed to be, the dad, the mother, the brother, the sister, the child. You know, that it's under him. And when, we're, when we are working out our salvation with him, this is how we get it right. You know, when you take anything else and put it above your relationship with God and, and seeking to live the way he wants you to live, you put anything else above it, at worst, I mean, at best, it's, it becomes disappointing. At best. At worst, it becomes a curse in your life. So it's really important that we say, it's him. I'm working with God. This comes first. It's not an add-on. My surrender is complete here. Now, sounds like you've got to be perfect or something, doesn't it? And I've said repeatedly in here that we can't be perfect. We won't be perfect. That isn't what God is looking for. It's okay to struggle with this. Okay, I need to be doing a better job of working the salvation out of my life. I need to do better. Yeah, it's okay to struggle, but it's not okay to settle. Okay? It's, it's okay to be a work in progress, but that means you are a work in progress. Okay? So that stuff is okay. And, and let me see if I can give you another example of how important this is, how important this 
working this out into your life needs to be. Imagine that you have a, a rare heart problem that will eventually kill you, okay? And sooner rather than later. Uh, your doctors try to connect you with surgeons and none of the surgeons that you have seen uh, are, are willing to try to even do this. It's just one of those things, right? They don't really know for sure how to fix it and they aren't about to try, okay? And so you're doing your best, you're making your way along, you're trying to eat heart healthy, trying to do a little exercise, but the reality is sooner or later this is gonna get you. And then one day you get a call from your, your doctor, your regular physician, and he says, can you come in and see me? And so you go into the office and he meets you there and he takes you back to his office and sits down and there's already a man in there and he's sitting there and he introduces you to him. And then what you find out is that this man is a surgeon who has worked on what you have multiple times successfully. He knows how to do it. He has a regimen that he uses before the surgery and then the surgery and a, a regimen that they follow after that. And if he, he's here and he says he, he's gonna do, he's gonna be with you before, during, and after, he's gonna work with you, make sure that the outcome is good. Uh, and not asking you to do anything crazy, it's gonna be you know, the regular heart healthy kind of stuff and oversee that with you. And he's not gonna charge you for it, okay? Because he just, he does these kinds of surgeries and, um, so, what do you think? Well, I don't know. I got a few things to do on my list. I, I don't know if I have time here for this meeting right now. Would you say that? No, that'd be the stupidest thing you could ever do, right? Well, I've, I got another idea how I might want to handle this. Thanks, but I'll give it a try first, you know. We'd, that would be stupid, wouldn't it? Well, God is that surgeon. You understand that? God is that surgeon in your life. And you have heart issues and he wants to work on them and he's already paid the price and he's, 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 he's with you and wants to work on them. I mean, see, that's where we're at. We, we need him to help us change our hearts and to keep working on us. We need him to do that. And so we are just, we are foolish maybe crazy, maybe a little insane when we choose not to work with God bringing the salvation out into our lives. It really, really is important. And so what do we need to do? Okay, he says, work out your own salvation for it is God who works in you. He's doing this. And so what do we need to do? We need to you need to cooperate with God. You need to cooperate with God as he works in you and in your life. How do we cooperate with God? Well, we, what's the first thing we do? We what? Read it with me up there. We, read it with me out loud. We surrender to the Lord. That's the first thing we do. We say, okay, God, yes, I'm going with you. And then we got to grow and learn. But the idea is we cooperate with him as he works in us and, and it says here, it works in you both to will, that's the idea of, of a desire, and to do, that's the ability or strength or energy. And so when we cooperate with God, he gives us the desire to do it, and he also gives us the energy to do it. He doesn't leave us hanging out to dry. God never tells us, oh, I want you to do this and go do it by yourself and leave me alone. No, he's always there helping us, 
helping us see what we need to do, helping us want to do it. He's already changed our want to's and then enabling us. It's enabling grace of God here. And then let's read on here. He, this, how, how do we cooperate? Well, this, we need to be wholehearted in our cooperation. Wholehearted. Verse 14, do all things without complaining and disputing. Uh, go ahead and go to that next slide if you would there, Dave. Um, do all things without complaining or disputing. Basically, the idea is this. Is, have you ever been with anybody, maybe one of your own children, maybe you were the one at some point, and you're following someone and everything that they do, have you ever been around where somebody kind of always second guess what was going on? Why are we doing this? I don't know about this. I don't really... I don't think this is going to work. All that, and, and he's and knocked that off, okay? You need to, anything that you, every time you find yourself in life with God saying, oh, I don't know, knock it off. And what you need to do instead is embrace what he's doing. Embrace what he's doing in your work. Stop resisting. Stop holding back. Stop second guessing. All those things will stunt your growth. They will stunt your growth. So no complaining or disputing. Verse 15, he says, when we get involved, we stop this complaining and disputing. We, we go all in with him. He says, here's where it's going to lead us, that you may become blameless and harmless, children of God without fault. Now, again, we might think that this is um, perfection. It's not. It's not. Have you ever met anybody or known anybody that you think about this? Wow, that's, she's a really good person or he's a really good person. And, and you look at their lives and everything seems good and right, right? The kind of person you want to be around. And if someone asks you, well, do you think they're perfect? You'd go, well, probably not, right? Probably not because none of us are, but yet they're, they're, they're living a blameless life. And so this is what he will do with us. This is how he will change us as we work out our salvation. And then something else he's going to do here, he says, okay, children of God without fault in the midst of a crooked and perverse genera generation. He's talking about the world that doesn't know Jesus. Among whom you shine as lights in the world, holding fast the word of life. You will shine like the stars. When you let God work in your life and you cooperate with him, you will shine like the stars in a very dark world. And you have something meaningful to share with them. You have the gospel that, that got you saved. You have the, the word of God, which he speaks to us through. You have all of that. And by the way, it is a dark world, isn't it? I mean, the sad thing is that people out there, they have life, right? And they have many things they enjoy and all this, but... If they don't have any hope of eternity. And when life goes bad and they hear the cancer word from the doctor and then they have no hope. I mean, it's just dark. And then relationships, families tear, get torn up. Um, terrible, terrible things can happen. It's a very dark world. But when you know Jesus, he is the light of the world. He moves in. And now when you work out your own salvation with him, he shines out through you to a dark, dark world. And, and what's different about you? And you say, well, it's Jesus. It's the gospel. Let me, let me share that with you. And so really the challenge here is to go all in with Jesus, okay? That's the challenge. Talk about, you know, you've been saved. 
if you haven't been saved, you need to receive Christ as Savior. But once you do, work that out into your life. And, and the, all these things he's going to do in your life. And, and you will be nothing but glad that you did. And finally, I'm not going to read it, but he talks about being offered, poured out as a drink offering. In the Old Testament, some of the offerings were of wine and, and sometimes of water. But they would have a cup and they would offer it to God. And then they would just pour it out on the altar. Well, once it's poured out, what? You get it back? No. It's not like just some offering or sacrifice. Okay, I put it there. I changed my mind to take it back. You pour it out, you can't get it back. And he's saying, this is what I'm doing. I'm pouring out my life. And if it's all gone away, that's okay. He said, I have joy. And then he said to this, he says, you guys need to do this too. So my challenge today is that we go all in with Jesus and that we pour our lives out in, as we work out our salvation as he works in our lives. So let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we come to you. Thank you uh, for um, your word. I pray, Lord, you'd help us to see that there's no greater way to live than totally yielded to you and, and, and working this salvation out into our lives with you. And I ask you to keep that at the forefront of our minds. Keep it with fear and trembling for us and, and that you'll change us, Lord. And we need you to help us with that. We can't do it on our own. And I pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, I'm going to ask our band to come back up. We're going to close our service today with the singing. I will check the questions at the end of the song to see if there are any questions to answer or not. Uh, but I, this, this song really kind of helps us to put into our hearts and our voices the response we need to make here today. So let's stand together.